Your place, your space. What's on your mind, Shire? Monday mornings with Uncle Fernando on Bay FM 99.9. Listen to Uncle Fernando and Bay of Fin 88. <laughs> <laughs> 99.9. 99.9. Hello, very good morning to you on this cloudy Monday as I look out the window. The 11th day of October it is. Great to have your company. Fernando here taking you through until 11am this morning. I'll be bringing you interviews, news and views from around the North Coast and beyond coming up on today's program. (gasps) Wow. Freedom. Hashtag free. (sighs) Time to get some bobo. You can totally taste that freedom. Oh, I'm free. Oh, my back. Oh, Oh, yes, I'm free. You're not vaccinated, Gerald. Everybody's free. Yes, today is supposedly New South Wales Freedom Day. For people who are fully vaccinated, that is, with some restrictions lifted as part of the reopening roadmap. But confusion continues to reign for us here on the North Coast with little guidance or clarification on exactly how it will work. We'll do our best to try and lift some of that fog this morning with well-known local lawyer Mark Swivel. You may have heard of him. He's also running for mayor in December's local government election. We'll ask him about that as well. But it's his expertise as a lawyer that we're particularly interested in today. Mark will join us shortly here in the Bay FM studio to help us make sense of what this roadmap means for all of us as workers and customers, vaccinated and unvaccinated. To help us navigate this minefield, we're joined in the Bay FM studio by lawyer, performer and mayoral candidate Mark Swivel, founder of Barefoot Law. There's your official introduction. <laughs> so smooth, Fern. <laughs> Morning. Hello, how are you? Good. Look, uh, I've been living this for a while mm. and trying to come to terms with the public health orders is like doing a cryptic crossword in four dimensions. <laughs> uh, quite challenging. The confusions mm. are completely understandable. The tension in the community is understandable. And I think that it's all very well for, for the roadmap to be sold as some kind of Liberation Day in Sydney. Mm. But around here, uh, there are unintended consequences, shall we say, which make it a lot more complicated. Absolutely. Look, that music I played earlier was a bit of tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> yeah. I'll have you know. Look, Mark, you've been doing a wonderful job. He's been streaming every other day over yeah. the past week to try and help us all make sense of this uh, madness. With David Holpen as well, but he's on holidays now, Fern. He's uh, that's why you did. He's the last run couple. screaming from the show. <laughs> <laughs> he's had enough, so you did the last yeah. few by yourself. Yeah. Look, lots to cover, Mark. Sure. I will just let the listener know that I did invite our local member of government, Ben Franklin. He's the only member of this state government uh, who lives locally. Oh, yeah. 
And um, I've tried to get him on a couple of weeks ago. Mm. I've prepped him for this, but mm. he's very hard to get. Mm. Last time I got him on mm. last year, it took months to get him on. And you've got to do it via email. Mm. So, you know, um, mm. and uh, he's too busy to come in today is Ben Franklin. And he said that he's not our local member, that I should go to Tamara. Um, so I reminded him that Tamara is not part of this government and that I thought he was also our local member, MLA, Upper House member. He certainly lets us know that he's our local member during ticket parades and, and any little grants that Ben gets our way, which he does a great job at well, doing. Well, he's been fantastic he at Spaghetti been. Circus where I'm the treasurer he's and uh, it's fairly difficult for him to carry the can for the mayhem that's, that's right. Well, place in Macquarie Street. The invitation's still there in the coming weeks mm. if you can come and clarify more aspects of it and ask and answer questions. Sure. Because it's also about accountability. And you're not a part of this government, so I can't really <laughs> bring you to account for this roadmap. No, I have professional obligations you to... Do, you do, and you do a great job To the at court, it. to the law and all that. Yes, but, you know, and to our But community. lawyers also have a, a general duty to bring attention to times when the law seems to reach its limits. Mm. Laws should be reasonable and uh, proportionate uh, when dealing with issues like public health. And I think that's the underlying problem uh, with where the public health orders have ended up for this community. And we can talk about that as we go, but I'll answer direct questions, first of all, about what the laws mean. Absolutely. Now, we'll get into that because you've got some ideas how these laws can be further modified to iron out some of the cracks in the in this public health order but i thought we'd start with just a quick overview what does it mean this roadmap map starting today just a quick overview okay look the the basic impact of the roadmap is that premises are now uh, restricted based on vaccination status so if you are uh, the occupier of premises, uh, you have uh, an obligation to take reasonable steps to ensure that unvaccinated adults, and that means uh, people 16 years and over who have uh, not had two shots of uh, a a vaccine, uh, you have an obligation to take reasonable steps to ensure that those people are not on your premises. And that covers an awful lot of different types of premises, uh, including uh, clubs, pubs, restaurants and cafes, uh, a whole bunch of personal services like hairdressers, spas, uh, waxing salons and massage parlours. Now, waxing salons around here particularly controversial, of course, Fern. I mean, I did suggest that the, go- the government might have offered a vax and wax hub <laughs> and it might have been more successful. But uh, And th- there are other environments like recreational facilities that are indoors and that affects everything from yoga st- studios to gyms and community mm. halls. That So that's a massive impact. And then public swimming pools, uh, that's an issue too. Uh, and also information and education facilities. So that covers galleries, libraries, uh, and tourist information centres, and even theme parks. And then, of course, we move on to the big ticket item, which is retail premises. So retail premises are restricted, but then not critical retail premises. And so critical retail premises are, if you like, food and, and drink shops, including supermarkets, and a lot of basic 
services, uh, chemist pharmacies, uh, garden centres, hardware stores, uh, that kind of thing, rural supplies, so like the co-ops around the traps, uh, mobile phone shops, uh, mm. office supply shops, news agents, of course, grog shops, um, timber yards, car hire places. So it's a really... What, one of the problems, Fern, with all of this is that you end up with this random miscellany and it's tremendously challenging to, to navigate. But... Long story short, you, you've really got a, a basic restriction that says unvaccinated adults uh, sh- shouldn't be on those premises. And the onus, this is where the, the difficulties uh, begin for business owners and, and staff. The onus falls to the uh, occupier, so the business basically, mm, mm. to determine whether someone should come onto their premises. And, you know, there, there are... Um, so to state the obvious, if if you're running a cafe or a restaurant uh, or a generic uh, non-critical retail store, then you know, the, the challenge for you is to work out uh, whether people should uh, come in. And the litmus test is, well, are you taking reasonable steps to do that? Now, to be clear, which is a difficult thing right now, <laughs> to be clear... Reasonable steps is not prescribed, or what that means mm. is not really spelt out. So that leaves a huge degree of discretion for business owners and staff uh, when considering this challenge. Uh, and that in itself amplifies the, the difficulty. But long story short, a lot of people will end up thinking, well, look, we're not police. Uh, it's not truly our job to enforce this. Uh, so reasonable steps to us will mean we'll put up a sign. Mm. So that's one approach, and that would be a light-touch approach. And personally, I don't think that's enough. Uh, the expectation expressed by uh, the state government, uh, as shown on their website, mm. uh, is that uh, y- you will be asked for... Um, uh, so ev- shop, evidence of your vaccination so status. So shop owners have to actively ask every well, customer? Well, n- no, this is the problem. There, there is no positive obligation to do that, okay? So why isn't a sign enough then, informing them? Well, because the question is what, uh, what does reasonable steps mean? Now, if there was an obligation to just put up a sign, as there is under loads of legislation, including licensing laws for uh, pubs and clubs, for example, mm-hmm. and gambling, mm-hmm. if the obligation was limited to a sign, well, then that would be straightforward. But what's in between a sign and actively asking every single well, customer? <laughs> Spot checks. <laughs> uh, like, to, to be honest, I, I don't know. And I think it's something that, that mm. the state government ought to ought to clarify. Mm. That the, the precise wording of the website advice from state government uh, in the end says, well, an occupier, a business owner or their staff can ask you, can ask you for evidence, i.e. Mm. a vaccination certificate. And so it's then uh, left still discretion. to the discretion of the of the business owner or, mm. or their staff. And, and that's quite problematic. And police, uh, I think, are interpreting this to mean, well, you know, that's, that is left 
for the occupier to determine and if there's an issue and if people push back and there's trouble well then the police can be called mm. well i think that that's a recipe for tension in certain situations and i think it's important at this point to ask everybody to be calm and kind and respectful mm. especially to shopkeepers who are you know and even the business owners who many people have suffered economically obviously as a result of all of all of the uh, lockdowns and other restrictions in recent times so mm. many people are opening up even when they don't want to no one wants a two-tiered society mm. and hopefully we can get through this you know mm. with with our sort of social fabric intact but you know the the way the police approach this will be critical and enforcement uh, is always subject to limited resources whatever it is what whatever the potential offences may be whatever the obligations of people are mm. so that I, I think that we need to look at the overall objective of the law here and i hope that policing and enforcement are informed by that overall overall objective the point being that the focus of the restrictions is on environments in which large or or significant numbers of people are, are gathering together which uh, ramps up the risk of mm. transmission mm. now in smaller businesses that won't be the case so even the law will apply there i hope that there'd be a little more latitude and that people aren't mm. sort of singled out and yeah so the upshot is that there'll be different approaches right across the north coast by different businesses and it's total discretion and unless there are incidents unless police are called they're not going to actively go and well, do patrols well, themselves. Well, 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 we'll see. Uh, there's also talk about Service New South Wales sending compliance officers in. Now, I mean, if I if I was designing the system, I'd use health inspectors mm. uh, or you know council rangers like mm. uh, you know parking officers to do the job. I, I think it's not really a, a policing issue in the pure sense. Yeah. And and I think that some police are, are troubled by this. Of course. The reality on the ground is that we direct police resources away from other activities in the community when they're mm. enforcing the public health orders. Yeah. So that's another complexity to all of this. But but look, the truth is that, that there will be a variety of approaches and I just hope that we can all enter into the spirit of what the law is trying to achieve. Mm. And just to clarify, nobody from Sydney can come up yet, uh, no outside visitors from outside regions. We can only travel to other regional areas and not to the cities not to see yeah that, that's that's right <clears throat> and and i think uh, the uh the travel restrictions currently um are wise i think there's a good argument that we should extend those until we get vaccination rates up to uh, an appropriate level um but there's also a restriction for unvaccinated people in terms of leaving their LGA, and a lot of people have missed this in mm. all of the information. So people who are unvaccinated under Section 6.6 .6 of the <laughs> Public Health Order Very good. cannot leave the LGA for the purposes of a holiday or recreation. Now, that will surprise some people mm. because that detail's been lost in the traffic. Mm. Uh, no pun intended, <laughs> but sorry about that. But they're look, gone. They're, but they're, yeah, they're gone. But, the, but the, there will be no influx of tourists or visitors mm. to the Northern Rivers as yet. But actually, look, so far, in terms of the main impacts, Fern, we've, we've, we've only talked about 
you know, the the affected premises and what reasonable steps mean. Mm. The, the implications here are, are huge in two ways. For businesses that are caught by these restrictions, you can't have unvaccinated staff uh, coming onto your premises. Mm. Uh, with the huge exception having been made for workers who've had one dose of vaccine. So the public health order was amended to clarify that if people have done the right thing and had one dose, well, then they can come to work, even if you're dealing in premises like pubs or clubs or restaurants that are affected by these restrictions in their totality. Okay. Mm. Now, the anomaly then arises that people as customers who've had one dose are still affected by these restrictions. Mm. And up here, that is a significant chunk mm. of the community, and that's causing a lot of difficulty. So, you know, again, you've done the right thing. Uh, your appointment is after today, uh, and that was a reasonable thing to do. And this law comes in, and it means that you've had one dose, but you can't go to a pub or a club or a restaurant. So it doesn't make sense that a worker, you can go and work with only one shot, with another one this later this week or next week, but you can't go and be a customer. That's right. At that it's, same shop. Yeah, it's a it's a massive, massive problem, if you ask me, and mm. there, there really ought to be an amendment to the mm. law on that front. How do we make that happen, Mark? Look, I, I think we need to call on all MPs uh, locally to uh, encourage or to you know demand that the state government make that amendment. I think it's also realistic in this environment, political environment, uh, to make that call because these laws have changed literally every week. To be clear, the public health order that takes effect today was first uh, published on the 3rd of October uh, over the long weekend, and then it was updated at 15 minutes past five on Friday mm. afternoon, evening, okay, with a view to the legislation having effect mm. on Monday, Monday mm. morning. Yeah, midnight so, last night. Yeah, so there's every chance that we can mm. fine tune these laws, which is why I'm talking like this, because frankly, if you ask me for a metaphor that describes how these laws have worked. It's been like in lockdown. It's been like doing the hokey pokey. It's in, out, in, out, mm. and we're shaking all about. Mm. So I think we really need to call on the state yeah. government to, to make three modifications, I, I would suggest. One would be to include one-dose people as fully vaccinated as customers mm -hmm. because there are lots of people, for example, who are being excluded from their gyms or their yoga studios. They've done the right thing and they can't go. That's uncool. I also think we should extend the restriction on travel to the Northern Rivers uh, until the 1st of November. That might be unrealistic, but uh, uh, that's the call I would make mm. anyway. And you want to ma you make that call because we could have Sydney ciders within a few weeks. Oh, we could have Sydney ciders next week. Uh, the situation is so fluid, Fern, that we need to be alive to the possibility that the roadmap uh, is opened up at 80% statewide mm. vaccination as soon as next Monday. Mm. So so that is a very real uh, possibility and we need to say, look, let's give it another couple of weeks so we can get vaccination rates higher. And this is the other thing in the conversation that people miss out on because no one wants a two-tiered society. This is an inclusive community and we need to be human 
and respectful of each other. Uh, but at the same time, there are plenty of people who are fearful about going into shops, especially some older people and people whose health is an issue. They're concerned about the transmission of, of COVID. And I think that needs to be respected as part of this hugely complex conversation mm. as well. And there was a third Oh, the third, the third change that we should look at is a modification of these public health orders for small business. Now, where you draw the line is problematic, but the reality is, like say in Stewart Street in uh, uh, Mullumbimby, you've got the situation where the butcher and the baker can open and deal with everyone mm. and and if they're unvaccinated they can go to work there no problem because that's critical retail mm. okay but then next door in the cafe or the restaurant like the izakaya there or uh or the uh, uh yemeni place across the road that that uh, those uh venues can't open mm. to everybody and if you're un unvaccinated you can only work if you've you've had one dose so that that anomaly if you like when in real terms the material public health risk arising from those particular contexts is it, like it's not materially different Mm. if you can compare the butcher or the baker to, to small cafes and restaurants. And mm, I really think exactly. that the government needs to focus on larger venues as the focus of the public health orders. So shopping centres, sure. Big pubs, sure. Clubs, no worries. Theme parks, etc. But we, we need to, to be measured. And, and, you know, after all, this is the weird thing. The new Premier is all about opening up in the interests of business. Let's be frank. You know, there's an economic uh, impact of the pandemic, mm. which is his mantra. And I won't comment on the wisdom of that in general. Mm. But if that is their emphasis, then they need to appreciate the material impact mm. on smaller businesses and the people who work in them across this community and all of the regions of New South Wales. Absolutely. Three very sensible points made by Mark Swivel, who's our special guest this morning. And you two can send in any question. Mark is clarifying exactly how this roadmap is going to work from today or from midnight last night. It is 19 minutes to 10 on Bay FM and I hope the state government is listening and Ben Franklin who lives just up the road here in Byron Bay. And thank you Mia Armitage who reminds me of course uh, that uh, the member for Tweed, uh, Jeff Provest is, uh, who's a Nationals member is also a member of the government and he's from the Northern Rivers and there's Liberals Upper House member Catherine Cusack who's out Lismore Way. She's also a member of this government for the Northern Rivers. But mm -hmm. what I meant was in the Shire. And Ben Franklin lives in the Shire. Well, and that, but there you go. Thanks, Mia. Thank that's you, a, Mia that's accountability among journalists Absol in action. Absolutely. <laughs> so there's three members in the wider Northern yeah, Rivers yeah. of this government, and I hope they listen and hear yeah. your very fine and sensible suggestions. Well, for they're, well they're practical changes. and it's a Absolutely. fluid environment and we could do it. Well, two, two key ex exemptions, if you like, from these restrictions that we should emphasise. Uh, services that are designed to assist vulnerable people in the community, like food banks uh, or services for homeless people. So, for mm. example, Liberation Lardo in this very building mm. is not affected by the restrictions on vaccination. So if you're unvaccinated, you can, uh, you can receive things from Liberation Lardo or work there. Uh, and the same applies to some of the services at 
uh, other neighbourhood centres, uh, you're you're not affected if if you need a, like a shower or a meal for argument's sake mm. at Mullum Neighbourhood Centre, then you can go in. So that's a good exemption for vulnerable people. Uh, and then there's a there's a huge exemption which has caused. Uh, significant confusion, which is about takeaway premises. So mm. uh, some people uh, have misinterpreted the law. Uh, and, for example, there was one of the uh, ice cream a- outlets over the weekend said that they were going to buy into the restrictions and, you know, reluctantly exclude unvaccinated people. Well, if an ice cream outlet is only doing takeaway where the food or beverages are consumed off-premises, well, then the restrictions do not apply. So that means that you can serve unvaccinated people as much ice cream, gelato (laughs) or frozen yogurt as you like, Vern. Thank you, Mark. (laughs) Look, I've had a few other texts. I've just had uh, somebody mentioned, and you've said this um, already, that police have already said that they won't enforce unless someone reports. And I've heard Michael Lyon, our current mayor, concerned about the amount of calls to crime stoppers. He says that yeah. they've been inundated. This, you know, this Dobbin culture <laughs> that uh, is developing yeah. through COVID, it really worries me. It really worries me. I mean, police have better things to do, quite frankly, haven't they? Yeah, well, yes. Uh, but but again, the the difficulty here is that we are dealing with law, mm. uh, and and it's not clear. And and police have an obligation to enforce it, and it's not correct to say that police will only enforce it if they're called in. Uh, I, I think that overstates the position. Okay, to to be clear, there's no public statement from the police that clearly says that. I know that a few weeks ago. The New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller did mm. make, did make some curious remarks that seemed to undercut the Health Minister mm. um, uh, Brad Hazard completely. But he's gone very quiet since then, yeah. and it's just not fair on local police to say that that they that they will only respond to calls. That that is an overstatement. Mm. But look, you know, uh, Crime Stoppers is really there to deal with material crime. Uh, I think you know Neighbourhood Watch style you know reporting um, you know I think we need to to use our discretion there as community members mm. if people are taking the Mickey with with these uh, re- restrictions well then fair enough but I think that the other reality here is that despite uh, the understandable pushback around these laws. In the end, most people do try to comply mm. with with the public health orders uh, one way or another. And, you know, I think we need to understand and respect that too. Mm. Here, here. I have two people who are very concerned about mm-hmm. privacy over our health. There are laws about this, according to Anthea. Can you clarify that? Um, it depends on the exact question. I mean... You know, the the issue here, uh, I'm assuming, is whether or not you positively must provide uh, evidence of your vaccination status to um, a business owner or their staff. If that's the question, then the precise answer goes like this. No, you do not have to provide uh, that information to them. Uh, there are there are complex reasons as to why legally, but you do not have to do that. However, uh, in those circumstances, the 
uh, business owner or their staff would then be entitled to say, well, look, I haven't been able to establish your mm. vaccination status, therefore you can't come in. Mm. Uh, having said all of that, uh, the uh, reality is that police are, are empowered to uh, require you to provide that information. Mm. So in, the, in, in those circumstances, uh, there's a um, legal situation that is, that is arguably unclear, but the police will ask mm. you, just as people are asked to provide their driver's licence to show their date of birth, which mm, is arguably mm, a breach mm. of privacy, when going onto licensed premises. Mm. So, but I understand it's a bit more uh, emotional or emotive than that, but mm. that's the position. Because, Mark, there are some court cases relating to um, people that have caught um, COVID at a premise and they've uh, taken action oh. against the actual shop. Well, well, well that's right. And the, the, there's actually a much broader conversation uh, around Australia and around the world, which hasn't had much airplay locally. Liability. And, and that is, yeah, the liability of uh, venues and business owners mm. and employers in particular for uh, cases of transmission, particularly in a workers' comp situation. The Fair Work Commission mm. uh, is seeing uh, quite a run of cases come through where workers are making claims uh, under, under workers' comp uh, uh, for contracting COVID in the course of their duties as an employee. And people will end up being paid out as a result. And, mm. and just to put the, uh, the, the, rea the commercial reality of the public health orders, the business lobbies, particularly uh, among clubs and pubs, is very strong, obviously, and mm. they do not want to be exposed to liability in in their venues where patrons or staff are, are con contracting uh, COVID mm. and they're exposed in in any way uh, as proprietors of those those premises. So there hasn't no, been a judgment on that yet. Oh, there's there, uh, there there are workers' comp claims in the in the pipeline. Uh, I'm not aware of any decisions having been determined, but mm. that's just a uh, just to clue people in about corporate risk management and and where these uh, orders are really coming from mm. at a policy level. Mm. Yeah, still a bit to cover. The eighty percent. Just clarify. So this uh, period of seventy percent vaccinated for the state, eighty yeah. percent. You reckon could be reached within a week. What does that mean for for us? Well, we're effectively looking at later this month. Yeah. Look, the, you know, we we're not sure when we'll reach that threshold, but the the government indications are that key impacts will include an expansion of the number of people who can visit your home. Currently, that's limited to 20 people, 20, uh, sorry, to 10 people, and mm. it will go up to 20. Uh, also, community sport will, will be rolled out again, and then uh, premises will, will operate on different sort of uh, floor, to, floor space to person ratios, so it'll be one person per four square metres indoors and one person per two square metres outdoors. They're, they're the key uh, changes. There are other other issues that are likely to shift as well, and especially for, for this area, at, at 80%, that's when the government proposes to open up 
tourists and visitors to the region. So that'll be the key thing. So some weeks ago, the government indicated that that the 18th of October would be the beginning of opening up. Mm-hmm. It's obviously started today. And and some weeks ago, the Premier, the former Premier, indicated that, that the so-called passports would be trialled in the regions before they were uh, mm. launched in the cities, right? That was actually said at a mm. press conference. And so we need to understand how uh, fluid the situation is and how everything is up for grabs and provisional. So it's it would be inappropriate of me, uh, Fern, to indicate when exactly mm. that will happen. But realistically, everything's going to open up on the 1st of December well, it's very Sydney-centric, of course, but the state yeah. opens up for everybody on the 1st of December. Realistically, mm. where are we going to be then? We're at 50% now yes. uh, in terms of being fully double-vaxxed up yeah. here. There's no way we'll be at 80 to uh, 90%. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we'll be... L- arguably, we'll be lucky to be past 80%. I mean, we're probably... Well, you know, it's... It, the first rule of COVID is no one really knows anything. Yeah. And uh, I, I think today we'll get new numbers, by the way, Fern, mm. um, a, as to the vaccination rate for all LGAs across New South Wales. And on Sunday, the 3rd of October, we'd al- already reached uh, 72% for first dose. So I think it's fair then to say that we're probably through the three quarters uh, barrier. Seventy-five percent, mm. uh, but but then again, you know, last Sunday, Sunday the third, we were only we were just under forty-two percent for second dose. So there's a long way to go, mm. even though we finally have uh, the vaccination hub here at uh, Main Beach at the Surf Club in, right. in Byron Bay, and and I would encourage. Uh, people who provide waxing services to partner <laughs> with the with the vax hub to, so so we have a vax and wax uh, combo i reckon that's a cool idea it is fantastic cuz i am due one thank <laughs> you very much mark that's way too much information <laughs> for for a monday morning over your breakfast Thank you very much for your precious time. No worries. And all the great work that you've been doing out in the community. We all have a role. 